All right, all you future podcasters out there, let me tell you about something you need to be aware of. I've been looking for different platforms to put my podcast into, and it's kind of confusing. There's a lot out there, a lot of them that charge you, but I found something that you need to hear. There's a platform called Anchor. Now, you need to understand, this one is free. There's no monthly fees, no yearly fees, no fees of any sort, no sign-up fees. It is free. Now, the best thing about it is that it's free and it comes with so many different tools. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, then one of the other neatest things is that Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. All you do is upload your podcast. Anchor handles all the rest. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. First podcast you put up, you can start making money. Now, it's everything you need to have in one place to make a podcast. So, pay attention to this part. It's very important. Go to anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M or download the free Anchor app to get started. Good morning. Welcome, everybody, again to our second, uh, I guess you would say, I wanted to use the term closed circuit television. That's something from the uh, 80s that was used for um, streaming. But our second streaming uh, Sunday school lesson, uh, we're still um, apart and uh, getting through these trying times, obviously. We're going to continue our lesson today in John. Um, Again, I believe it's providential. Last week we talked about... Uh, Jesus and him a uh, being the provider of all of our needs, even in trying times, the basic needs that we require. And today, continuing our lesson, we're looking at Jesus being the great deliverer from fear. Kind of uh, moving on a little bit from where Pastor spoke the other day in regards that we should not fear as Christians. We'll talk about and expand on that maybe a little bit as the lesson moves on. Uh, First off, let's uh, have a word of prayer, and we'll get started into our lesson this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to take this time to thank you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you provide us. It's during these times that we truly understand Um, the benefits and the glories and the, um, the, 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 all of the grace and mercy and products that you provide us, Lord, and we're so grateful for it. Oftentimes we get so tied up and we get so busy in our day to day lives with work and just electronics and everything going on that the if we get something from these times that we're to kind of uh, isolate ourselves, um, 
we are able to focus a little bit more on you, which we should do all the time, but during this time we can focus more. And we should focus more because you are um, all that we do need. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to pray specifically that you wrap your arms of protection around those in our church that might be as they have classified them during this virus time as the most vulnerable, our elderly. We specifically have those in mind that have been affected by this virus, whether they have confirmed cases of it and are in the hospital or they are just ill and they're not sure and they're scared. We're, as we're going to see today, they have no, uh, we have no reason to be scared. We have no reason to fear because you are in charge and we know that, Lord. It's not unbelief. It's just fighting the flesh. It's just fighting the flesh that, uh, that we need to stay focused on you and not get caught up in the fear that the world tries to lay on us. So we ask for your protection. We ask for your protection for all of the medical workers, Lord, our doctors, our nurses, uh, all of those that work in that field in whatever way that they can assist them, we ask for your protection for them. Again, as we oftentimes take time to honor those first responders, more specifically, probably police and fire more than any, let us take this moment to kind of single out and lift up those doctors and nurses that are on the front lines of this particular battle, putting their own lives in, at risk and uh, those of their family members, Lord. Well, we pray that you protect their families as well. We also pray that you would work in this and that your will would be done. We, we say when we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, again, we're going to be in John chapter 6 as we continue our uh, lessons through John. And we're going to start in verse 16. We're going to read verses 16 through 21. So, John chapter 6, verse 16. And the Bible says, And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. And entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. So we see this uh, account that we just read, and it's a continuation of where we were at last week, and that was from the time where Jesus and his disciples had crossed the Sea of Galilee, Remember, we talked that they went directly across the sea and the multitudes that have been witnessing his ministry and witnessing his miracles, they wanted to be able to uh, learn more. They wanted to be able to see more from him. So they followed him and, 
and they met him at this mountain and they heard his preaching. And then we had this wonderful miracle of him being able to uh, multiply uh, the provided food that was there to be able to feed these multitudes, not just feed them, but feed them to the point that they were full. They were full. We talked about that, that this, this wasn't just some, well, I'm going to have a little bit and pass it on. No, this was, they were fed to the point they were full. And then at the end of this, the people having been, had their needs net, met, I'm sorry, went and we see in verse 14. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. They had remembered Old Testament prophecy. They, they knew that this, the, the uh, a Messiah was to come into the world. And, and here they kind of make that connection. In verse 15, they said, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force, they wanted to lift him up. Jesus didn't want this. They were going to come and take him by force to make him a king, to make him a king because of his, of the spirituality. No, they wanted to make him king because they had, because he had met their, their physical needs and they wanted, they wanted to be full all the time. They were focused on materialism and they wanted to make him king for that purpose. And he sensed this in their hearts. So he departed. And he departed again into a mountain alone, leaving his disciples there. So our account picks up from that point. So in verse 16, we see what happens next. Verse 16 says, And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea. So as evening came, as the sun began to set, his disciples went back to the boat. This boat that they had that they had. Uh, went across the sea and they went back to that same boat. Keep in mind that these disciples, many of them were fishermen. We know many of them fished on that sea. They knew that sea. They understood um, the weather and how that sea, how that body of water reacted to the weather. They understood all these issues because they spent a lot of time in their lives on that sea. And verse 17 says, and they entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. So waited for Jesus a little while. And we, we fill in some of the chronological blanks as you read the other gospel accounts of this incident. They waited for a little while for Christ and he not showing up. They entered into the ship and began toward Capernaum. But again, it was dark at this point. Uh, Jesus instructed, had instructed them to set sail and they obeyed. He told them to go toward Capernaum and he, they obeyed him. But at, notice that again, as I mentioned, they understood the sea. They understood this body of water. They would not have entered into this body of water, into the darkness. If there was a storm brewing, they would have known to take those precautions. So there wasn't any storm brewing. They understood that it was dark, but the sea was peaceful and that they could enter into the sea and start crossing and be and do so safely. This great violent storm caught the disciples by surprise. 
and apparently pulled them further out into the sea. This was not something that they saw coming. Verse 18, and the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Again, this was not a storm they saw coming, but isn't that true with all storms in our lives? All the storms that come up, all the trying times that we face. Isn't it true that oftentimes, most times, we never see them coming? It's an easy illustration to use the uh, virus situation we're in now. Yeah, there was news stories about situations overseas and in other countries. But for whatever reason, we didn't see it coming to this extent to our country. Obviously, if we had, we would have taken adequate precautions. And we were kind of caught off guard, just like any storm. Maybe you've experienced something. I know I have. And I can tell you, most of those times, I never saw it coming. As a matter of fact, I would add that most times, I would say that those storms that came up, came up upon me at times when I was thinking, you know what, times are good. Things seem to be going pretty well right now. And then all of a sudden, this storm comes into my life. I think that's true with a lot of us. Storms often try to push us out away from those that can help us into a period of isolation. These storms come up and then we tend to close ourselves off from those that can help us. We tend to think, well, maybe they can't, nobody can offer any assistance. They don't understand what this is like. They don't know what I'm going through right now. And we tend to isolate ourselves. We tend to do what a lot of us do when we show up on Sunday mornings, and I'm guilty of it as well. When you walk up to somebody and you went, hi, how are you doing? What's our automatic answer? Just fine. I'm doing well. When in reality, you may not be fine or well. There's a storm going on in our lives and it's okay for us to say, you know what? I have a burden right now. I have something going on in my life and I need somebody to pray for me. I need um, to be prayed for. I need some advice on how to get through it. There's very little that can come up in our lives as storms that other people haven't probably been through. And these, these storms try to push us away. They try to push us away even from God. They push, as they did with the disciples, they pushed them out to sea further. Verse 19 says, So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, so we see that they fought this wind. They fought this storm. So we see in verses 17 through 19 as we continue this cause of fear when it comes into our life. What causes us to have fear? Well, in the case of our account here, we see that first off, it was dark. Being uh, in the Midwest, we understand as Oklahomans the difference between having a, a severe thunderstorm during the middle of the afternoon or a severe thunderstorm in the middle of the night, say midnight to 2 a.m. or even earlier, just when the sun goes down, 
there's a vast difference in how we deal with it, isn't there? It's not unusual during the day to see people out on their front porch or their back porch watching the storm. You can see it coming. But at night, the darkness cloaks the danger, doesn't it? At night, danger comes up more sudden. It comes up less expected. And it causes more fear to us. So in the case of our account, again, it was dark. So the disciples couldn't see. And they had this great wind and this storm coming upon them. And again, storms are much more intense because of the dark, causing more fear. Let's use the analogy, and I think a wonderful illustration here of a person in spiritual darkness as well. Those without Christ in their life, they're in spiritual darkness and they're going through the same storm. They can go through the exact same situation, the exact same storm that a Christian can go through who possesses Christ. And that Christian's going to do so with, with a sense of protection from it. They're protected in the storm. They know Christ has his arms around them. But a person in spiritual darkness who's cloaked in this, 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 this evil darkness is blind to the threats. Is blind and the emotional strain on them is greater. They don't see the potential that can come out on the other end, can they? They just see what they're going through right now. And they're burdened by it. And they, they feel like they have no control over it. We tend to want to, again, as we isolate, as we tend to uh, push people away, we tend to want to control it. And a non-Christian would look at that, the lack of control is, as fearful. It is, a, it is a great threat in that Christ does not know or anyone does not know, excuse me, that the spiritual blinded does not know what lies ahead. Let me say that again. It is a great threat in that the, those that are spiritually blind does not know what lies ahead. You're in darkness. You're walking across a path and you don't know what that path entails for you, do you? Is there a large hole directly in front of you that the next step you're going to take, you're going to fall into trouble? Is there going to be a brick wall in front of you that you have no idea is coming up on you? And then when you smack into that wall, you realize I have trouble. When you possess Christ, you possess the light. And when you possess the light, as I wrote in my uh, article that was published on the church site yesterday, you possess a wisdom that lacketh and a peace that passeth all understanding, don't you? You possess a wisdom that allows you to uh, sift through some of the world's information and be able to see these things coming a little bit easier. And then even if you don't see them coming, you possess a, a peace that you know Christ will take care of it. Matthew 15, 14 says this, Christ says this, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. 
And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Do you take your direction from somebody who is also blind? Even for Christians, do you look toward your spiritual authority during times of trials? For assistance in understanding or assistance in, in getting through? Or do you look toward maybe a, a, a long friend who, he's not a Christian. Are you going to those people for advice? Are you going to your spiritual authority? Are you going to the word of God and looking for assistance from him to get through these times? 1 John 2.11 says this, But he that hath his brother is in, or excuse me, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth. Because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Again, there's great danger in being in the dark. I know uh, as a police officer, I often use illustrations like that. And usually when we hire people, occasionally I'll be brought into those interviews. And one of the questions we have to ask candidates wanting to be a police officer is this. Are you afraid of the dark? You wouldn't think we would have to ask that. But we have actually hired people who go on to what we call the overnight shift or the hoot shift. And when you're having to search a building in the dark, have come back the next day and said, I didn't realize I had to do that type of thing. I'm actually afraid of the dark. I can't do that. So now we've learned that we actually have to ask people, are you afraid of the dark? I've been that person uh, specifically one time when we had an alarm at, um, it was the Pioneer Technology Center. That is a large building to search in the middle of the night with the anticipation that around every corner, you're going to find a person hiding in the corner who had just broken in. And I can tell you, uh, myself, keep in mind that there's a nursing program there. And as I rounded the corner and saw a, a mannequin laying on a, a gurney or a mannequin standing up in the corner or, or even a, a skeleton in an anatomy lab, it just left my heart pounding. Darkness can be very fearful. It is a great danger in that they will definitely face some difficult times ahead. If you live in darkness, if you have that darkness about you, you're unprepared for it. You will never see it coming, and you're unprepared. You don't possess the light of Christ. You don't possess that understanding that comes with that, that peace that comes with that. And when you, in the darkness, you're left unprepared. And then you're in the dark about God as well. And when you're in the dark about God, you read, you may pick up a Bible in a time of great trial. And you may read sections of it and just not, it just doesn't make any sense. Some of, the, some of the accounts, some of the parables that Jesus taught, you may read it, but if you're in darkness, you don't possess Christ, you read these and it just, it, you don't understand 
what Christ is trying to tell us. But having possessed him, having possessed that light, that illumination of these things, I, you can pick up God's word and read it and understand what he's trying to teach us to, and to, to, to feed us and trying to uh, get us to obtain during times of trial so as to provide us comfort. Ephesians 4.18 says this, having un the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Psalms 82.5, they know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness all the foundations of the earth and are out of course. If you don't possess that light in your heart, you don't possess that you live in perpetual darkness you live in perpetual fear of what's going to happen next there's no need for that there's no need for that it is a great emotional strain that fear will swarm over their being covering them with a sense of helplessness and hopelessness again causes of fear in our life being without Jesus causes fear. Jesus had not come yet to the disciples. Notice in verse 19, Jesus had not yet come to the disciples. Therefore, they did not have his presence and help at this time. Verse 18 says, And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. Remember, they left. They had set sail without Jesus. Verse 19, so when they had rowed about five or 20 or 30 furlongs, they're fighting this storm. They're, they're trying to use their own power to fight this storm. They had to account and depend on each other. And fending for themselves, they knew their abilities were limited. They were caught in one of the great violent storms of their life in the dark, without Christ, and they were fearful. Again, note this, though. When they had set sail, there was no storm. No sign of a storm. It came on all of a sudden, but the storm did come, and it did threaten their lives. It is the same again, as I said earlier, with the sudden and violent storms that we experience. Trouble, trial, sickness, death, financial difficulties. These storms and others strike often and they strike all of us. They strike when we don't expect them. A matter of fact, as I said earlier, and I'll reiterate, I believe they strike at times when we have let our guard down. When all, we get this sense that things are going well. And then all of a sudden, you're impacted with a trial. We're impacted when we're the least prepared. And this results in great fear. So being tired. Remember the disciples had spent the day on this mountain hearing preaching and teaching from Christ and, and having fed the multitude, passing out all the food. They were tired. They were in darkness. They were fighting this storm. And having looked out across the water, verse 19, they see Jesus walking on the sea. 
and drawing nigh unto the ship. And what's the Bible say? And they were afraid. That was the last thing they expected to see while fighting that storm on that sea. They did. They thought they had left Jesus on the shore. He wasn't with them. They're left to fight this storm on their own. They're tired the, fighting this. It's dark. It's windy. It's loud. And as they look across the sea, amongst the mist of the waves and the loud roaring of the wind, they see Jesus walking on water. And momentarily, they were afraid. The disciples, again, had been struggling against this storm for six to nine hours, and they had progressed only three or four miles on their own. They're fighting, they're fighting, and they're fighting, and they see Jesus walking on the sea. Hebrews 2.15 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Isaiah 17.14, And behold, at even time trouble. And before the morning, he is not. This is the portion of them that spoil us and the lot of them that rob us. Trouble comes. Trouble comes. But then, again, the disciples saw Christ. Now, at the moment they saw Christ, did the storm stop? No. No, it didn't. When, did the, when was the storm calm? Well, Again, when they saw Christ walking on the water, at this point, they were stricken with fear, as the Bible says. But what was the answer? What was the answer to cause to uh, bring peace into their life? Verse 20, but Christ, but he said unto them, but Christ said unto them, is I... Be not afraid. The word of Christ delivers from fear. The word of Christ delivers from fear. Christ said, it is I, be not afraid. He proclaimed, be not afraid. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And once I answer thee, I'll, I will illuminate to you, and I will show you great and mighty things to which you could not understand without my presence. Verse 21, though, critical point. Then they willingly received him into the ship. Christ said, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him. Receiving the presence of Christ delivers from fear. Point is, having not only heard from Christ, they received him. And having heard from him and receiving him, what's the Bible say? Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. In the midst of this mighty storm, the noise, the 
lightning, the wind. You get the sense the disciples are yelling at each other as they're, they're fighting the boat amongst the sea. And they look out and they see Christ. And they were momentarily afraid. But then Christ said, it is I, be not afraid. Having heard that, they willingly received him into the ship. And at that moment, they were outside of the trouble. They were outside of the storm at that point. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Are you scared right now as you go through this virus situation as we go through it? You have no reason to be. You have no reason to be afraid because if you have possessed Christ, if you had called out to him and received him into your heart, he's taken you out of this storm. It's not to say that we don't have maybe momentary uh, lapses of anxiety or that we're not worried about those that we love. But once we bring ourselves back to Christ, once we continue in prayer, as we continue in his book, that peace from the storm calms us. The arms of Christ being wrapped around us calm us during this time. Isaiah 41.10 says it this way. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Again, the Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. If you possess him, you have no reason to fear because he is with thee. Can I take that and put it another way, though, unfortunately? If you do not possess him, you have a reason to be afraid. You have much reason to be afraid. You're looking out on this situation and it's dark. It looks dreary. There looks to be no answer in sight. We're leaning on our own understanding. We're leaning on, on the world. We're leaning on other lost people. And you have reason to be afraid. The Bible's very clear in this. But yet if you possess him, if you possess Christ, you have no reason to fear. These results of receiving Christ result in a twofold promise. First off, you receive Christ, he'll deliver you from fear, and he will calm those storms. The storm could be going on all around us, but if we possess Christ, the storm's calmed for us. Because we understand he's in charge. We understand that there's a purpose. There's always a purpose. When Christ and when God are in charge, there's always a purpose. There's some glorification that's going to come out on the other end that's going to glorify him, and there's a purpose for this. And when we possess him, we understand that.
So we don't fear because the storm is calmed for us. He has the power to erase fear and calm any storm. Psalm 116.8, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. As you sit at home right now, and we're a lot of times sitting uh, isolated in your home, it can be if you're watching news often and you don't possess Christ in your heart, it's a, it could be scary. No, I get it. If you, if you don't possess Christ and this is all you see and that's all you understand, it's scary. But can I encourage you? All you have to do is ask upon him. Receive him into your heart. Say, Lord, come into my heart. I believe you. I understand the sacrifice that you've done. I know that I'm not worthy of this. But I'm asking you to come into my life. Help calm this storm for me, Lord. I understand that you have fought the battle. And that we're even and, and fought it successfully by being resurrected from the dead. Thus living eternally. You've fought that storm victoriously. Thus, once I possess you, I can do that too. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this lesson today. Again, I believe it not by accident that you've placed this lesson at this point during our study to be taught during this time. It's no accident. That's providential, Lord, and I thank you for it. It's a great message for those of us that are that are Christian, that possess you, that we understand the peace that we can have knowing that you're in our lives, that we have you in our heart, and that you can calm the storms for us. We have no reason to be fearful, Lord, but I also pray that for those that might not possess you, that they would just take that moment, understand their, their personal limitations, understand that they have no, that they cannot fight this on their own. They must possess you, that they're sinful. They have no right to even to, to enter with you. So they must bow before you, repent of their sins, and ask you into their lives. Understanding who you are and what you've done, understanding that, that you fought the battle on your own, that you were resurrected, thus accomplishing it and fighting it victoriously, receiving you in their hearts, they then open their eyes and they have that peace. The storm will be calmed. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that whoever might listen to this, that you would work in their heart and that you would uh, work through this situation to, to get uh, whatever means accomplished that you're working. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we get ready with our families and we listen to our Sunday morning service, that you would use that as well that we would use this time apart 
to grow closer to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And that's the conclusion of our lesson today, and we'll see you next week. aspect is kind of I got the picture of sitting around the Thanksgiving table at a holiday and being filled to the point of just not being able to eat anymore they were filled Christ knew they were gonna have a long walk back and he was gonna fill the, their bellies so that he was going to meet their need above and beyond what they required to the point they were filled. So good. He had met their need. There was provisions left over. Also interesting, how much was left over? The Bible specifically tells us, Therefore they gathered together and filled Twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Twelve baskets full. Notice Christ gave the food to the disciples, and the disciples then went out and gave it to the people. Christ then gave a picture of the disciples served to the people, I'm going to take care of the servants. I'm going to take care of the disciples. And there, were a, there was a basket each for each one of the disciples left over. While a man is giving what he has, he must trust the power and provisions of God. God knew from the beginning of this account, which to say, uh, I'm looking here, verse 12. Starts after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did unto them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Verse 5, And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude come upon, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that he may be eat? Verse 6, And this he said to prove him. He knew what he was going to do. But he asked Philip anyway, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Christ knew what he was going to do, but he asked this to prove Philip. And it says, verse 6, the second half, For he himself knew what he would do. Again, I'll repeat what I said. While a man is giving what he has, he must trust the power and provisions of God. God knew what he was going to do. 
Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now the last kind of faith, and then I'll close, verse 14 and 15, Then these men, then those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, said, This is of a, of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Jesus had fed and healed them. But now they wanted to set him up as a king so he could meet their daily materialistic needs. They were thinking improperly. Yes, he should be set up as king, but for different reasons. They were thinking in terms of physical and material needs and wants, not the spiritual. Christ demands that we deny ourselves and that we separate ourselves from the world. He demands that we be spiritual in thought and not be concentrated on the material. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He wants us to, to um, give him and put him first in our lives, but not just to meet our materialistic needs. Oh, he'll meet those needs. But he wants us to put him first in our lives to meet spiritual needs. He wants us to put him first in our lives so that we can have eternal life. 